that was Cold War Kids featuring Bishop Briggs with So Tied Up on Energy Groove Radio. You are on Energy Groove Radio. The show is Movie Groove. It is the groove that spews the news that you should peruse before you the movie you choose and use. There we go. We got there. And coming up on the show. Oh, stuff and nonsense. Oh. Down, because I'm not going to remember any of it, but here we go. Dang it. <laughs> Impeccable comedy timing once again. Yes, welcome back to the garbage fire. That is Movie Groove. It's what's on screen. Um, we've got lots of stuff coming up in the show. Um, but first, as we always do, I'd like to welcome mm. uh, the wonderful oh, thanks, Bradley Dewance. Um, how are you this week, Bradley? Uh, I'm all right. Mm. I got in, uh, got in a bit of a tizzy on TVSN last night. A tizzy? Mm. Ooh. Mm. Was there a brouhaha? Well, it's because I was talking about floor types and I said the word parquet. Yes. That's a freaking word, right? Parquet? Parquet. Parquet flooring. Parquet flooring. Is it a brand name or is it a type? Parquet is a type of floor. Okay. Yes. Are you with me? Um, Well, I've never heard of it before, but I believe you. Well, I got a lot of emails uh, saying that it's not pronounced parquet, it's pronounced parquetry. And I go... No, parquet is a word. Google it. Look it up. I'm right. You're wrong. Oh, so they've seen it written down. Well, parque- parquetry flooring is a thing as well. So parquetry flooring oh. is where you take parquet and you align it into geometrical patterns hmm. and make it look lovely. But that's a different thing. I was talking about parquet, the actual flooring. Right. Yeah. But oh, these, these Aussies, they're these like, it's parquetry, not parquet. Ignorant people who phone like, up to correct I'm you. I'm sorry. Uh, I know the English language and I know how to use it correctly, you asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But you you shouldn't say that directly to your audience anyway. No, you should I shouldn't. apologize for the misunderstanding. No, I didn't apologize. <laughs> I stood my ground, Alistair. Good I'm for too you. old. Good to, for you. I'm I'm too old to uh um let people just have their way, Al. I now am like a stick in the mud. Mm. It's, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to my mid sixties mm. because you know that's where you get to the kind of old where you can just say whatever you like and people will go, <laughs> he's he's old. He's old. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> lesbians. <laughs> yes, grandpa, lesbians. Um <laughs> uh, speaking so, of which I've been playing The Last of Us Two. Oh really? It's very good. I've heard. Um I thought I would wait for a little while so the price comes down because you know. Oh, it's $69, Al. 69 69 Not 99 No. Not a full price game? No, it's $69 at JB. Really? And Big W. Huh. And Target. Hmm. You should shop around. Probably. So, well, I looked at it on the PlayStation, <laughs> so I don't know how oh, much PlayStation, jack it most, up to recommend a retail. Most year release games are $99. What's no. happened? Why has the price come plummeting down? Because buying power and competition. Hmm. So that's how that works. If you so, want to buy it digitally, yes, you can get it from the PlayStation Store, but you'll always pay recommended retail. Whether it's an old game or a new game, it's always going to be full recommended retail. Right. So I'm guessing that the AAA sector is taking a bit of a hit from the indie sector in Probably. these troubled times. Yeah. Um, but also, I guess it's just, you know, it's going to be a massive, massive popular game. People have been waiting eight years for it. They are going to buy a lot of them. What did you think of the original? The price down. Uh, I love the original. I thought it was great. Because mm, I'm watching YouTube content content recently about, you know, there's the haters have come out oh, don't, to say don't it's, listen to oh, it's just like uh, Uncharted where you get some lame gameplay in between what's essentially a movie. Either make a movie or a game. Don't try and do both. Oh, come on. Now, 
And what are you surprised by that anyway? If that is your gripe, are you surprised that the the game development company that made Uncharted has a similar formula that they've applied to a different tone? Well, I mean, it's okay. So granted, it is some fairly standard stealth gameplay. It's with, great stealth gameplay with with which is what it's a really strong story. Uh, brackets for a video game. Hmm. If it was a movie, yeah, you would be like, like, okay, I. I see what's going to happen here. That's and what's concerning me because they are making a TV series of The Last of Us. HBO's commissioned it and they're working with Naughty Dog. Really? Well, Neil Druckmann, the director of mm-hmm. The Last of Us, uh, the game. So they're working closely with the company that owns the IP, so right. that's promising. Um, PlayStation are also behind it in terms of financing, which is promising. Mm. But as you said, it's a great story for a video game. Would it translate to a TV series? I'm not so sure. Okay. Do we want The Walking Dead 2.0? I'm not so sure. Right. Uh, uh, you've clearly been following this on the uh, on the internet, mm. the intertubes, sure. as you trendy young people do. Um, uh, what's the reaction from the Legibity community about uh, one of the very first, very strong um, female, lesbian, openly gay characters in AAA games? Um, I mean, look, I think it's welcomed. Yeah. I think, that, look, there's a fair bit of groundbreaking stuff for a AAA game here. So this is this is big, big AAA news. Mm. It's a big game. Um, people have been, you know, waiting for it for a long time. And it's not very often that in mainstream media, like this is mainstream, right? Yeah. Sure. Indie space, it's dabbled in this kind of topic stuff um, for a while. Mm. Um, but in AAA space, you know, uh, the LGBTQI community is not very rarely represented. Mm. Um, so it's great to see that. But also supposedly there's a trans character in there as well, which I'm mm. not aware of. And women are represented very well in this game as well. So um, there's a lot of strong women, like physically built, ripped women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's a little bit of a sector of the internet that aren't quite happy about that. They're like, it's unrealistic for a woman to be that muscly. It's like, oh, women can't be muscly, can they? No, it's well, it's no, it's not. I have a personal friend who's a bodybuilder and she gets deeply offended by mm. people telling her that, you know, you really need to tone back the muscle because you look like a man. Uh, like, no, I don't. On. No. I clearly look like a woman. I just have better muscle definition than you because I don't sleep until 10. <laughs> but that's right. It's like women can be strong. Uh, why do you have a problem with that? Oh, Cassie could kick my arse. Yeah. You know, she's had no fight training. She still wouldn't have any trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just amazing that there's different people being represented in a game and then the the people who are, you know, so... Uh, 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 you know, used to the status quo. They're getting so mm. offended. Yeah, I don't like things that are different. No. Stop it. It's like, oh, God forbid you see an Asian character in a video game as well. So there's like, there's a whole cross-section of people being represented in this game, which I think is really refreshing. I think mm. it's cool. But also in the back end of the game, there are so many, they worked really hard with the disability sector to make this game accessible for people. Mm. So you go through the menu and there are things for people who have um, photosensitivities to light. There are things for people who are hard of hearing. There are people for, you know, uh, who are short-sighted, long-sighted, um, legally yeah, blind. The people working over at Sony Games really need to have a word in the air of the people working over at Sony movies. <laughs> they really do, because do they ever talk to them? What is it that you're doing right? Well, yeah, you know. I'm not sure, but there's amazing stuff. Like, you should really watch this. Um, there's this blind gamer on YouTube mm-hmm. who tweeted 
a video of him loading up the accessibility options in The Last of Us 2 for the first time, and it's the most heartwarming thing you'll ever see. Really? Um, yeah, it's well, just because amazing. you can play it blind? Because he can play it. He's legally blind. Just because you are legally blind doesn't mean you can't see. You can no, I know that. Things. I know you can see shapes. Yeah. But, so, but the stuff, the accessibility stuff that they've put into The Last of Us 2 is amazing. And so it, the, it, it alters the strength of the gameplay and it mm. and it amps up the sounds yeah. as player feedback. But it also magnifies certain things and blurs out certain things at different points. Sweet. Turns off motion blur, anything that can cause issues for people who are hard of, you know, you know, hard or, of, yeah, legally, hard, you know, legally uh, blind. Uh, uh, when I was in uni, it was called uh, profoundly blind. Mm. When you weren't like, you know, black blind, it was just like, I could see shapes, yeah. but that's it. There's there's a really entertaining, like, I mean, I, I know it's very important for people who are hard of hearing, but the text-to-speech thing is hilarious because it breaks the tension so <laughs> <laughs> It's like this is poignant scene where, like, Ellie's, you know, obviously dealing with the je- death of Joel, but then this text-to-speech lady is, you know, skull-crunching. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Oh, no, um, I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, the, a thing that I want to do that I didn't do with the original one um, was uh, play with all the heads up displays turned off. Yes, you can So do that, that you have to stealth it properly. Yeah, there's really no heads up display anyway in this game. There's prompts, but there's no... Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's little no... circles that appear on the object because the, there, you know, there are 50 objects in a room. Three of them you can have a little search. Yeah. You know, and you, they mark those drawers with a circle. So that to yes. say, yes, this is a legitimate mm. um, a interactive element of the environment. Mm. Whereas, you know, with that stuff turned off, you just have to go around the room clicking on stuff. Yes. And and it's like actually searching the room properly. Mm. And you're, you're right when you're saying that um, Naughty Dog are really kind of doing this thing where it blurs the line between video game and movie. There is a lot mm. of cutscenes. You're going to have to deal with that. But it, yeah. it is building story. It's building character. It's a very story-driven game. And I think that you should embrace that. Well, there are people who, uh, like I said, there was one person who, um, for whatever reason, he said that it's awful. I mean, the the story is predictable, and it is. Yes, I'll I'll admit that. The story is very predictable. However, I did have a few things spoiled for me Mm -hmm. um, beforehand anyway. Thanks, Internet. He said that, you know, so you've got the story that's predictable, you're not really interested, and then the pacing of the game, uh, it's broken up by the sections where, oh, we need to climb that. You need to find a ladder and then you walk around and the ladder's right there. And so you take the ladder and you put it against the wall and then you both climb. And he was just like, that's not gameplay. That's just slowing you down. No, I just It's kind of like those um, those sections in Uncharted 4. Something I learned the other week is that whenever they make you squeeze yeah. between it's a loading screen. two sections, a loading screen. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, Which, we'll see less of that in PS5, I think. Mm, well, I mean, they had a demo for the PS5 that showed how amazing the tech was <laughs> going to be, it. but they still had a squeeze between two rocks sections. I saw that. <laughs> I, th- I, think that I feel like that was a massive troll. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, I think it's a, a great game. If you liked the first one, you'll like the second one, of mm. course. Um, I just think there's it, they've come a long way in terms of the technology that they're showing off here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is amazing, and I think it's very inclusive for everyone, including the disability sector, so I think that's really cool, right. and we should have more of it and people should stop just being angry about how they think the story should be told when it's not their story to tell yeah i didn't i didn't pay for this <laughs> i you know it, it wasn't my project mm. 
I wanted to play it, but now I don't want to play it because there's aspects about it that I don't like and I'm very annoyed and you should remake the game so that I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your input. Mm. Could you please just piss off? Yes. No, no, no. Faster than that, please. <laughs> further. Further. Keep going. <laughs> okay. While that person does that, here's a track from Electric Fields. Something is that was Georgia, who, according to that song, will never let you go. Yeah. On Energy Groove Radio, welcome back to Movie Groove. It's What's On Screen. We're transmitting live from the beautiful city of Sydney, mm. and indeed all around the world. My name is Alsa Locker, and sitting with me in the studio, as usual, is Brad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just um, accidentally, we were talking about The Last of Us 2 in the last talk break, and I may have accidentally just spoiled Dropped the entire a massive thing. spoiler. You <laughs> it's know, fine. It's in the first half an hour of the game. Well, it's not that much of a spoiler then, really, is it? Yeah. But, you know, it would have been a surprise. But that's the thing. I don't mind spoilers. Great. I don't. I really don't, unless unless it ruins the entire movie. Like you know. You know uh, what I don't like more than spoilers, Al? Hmm. Surprises. Boo. (laughs) Um. (laughs) No. Uh. Fight Club, for example. Yeah. Um. I really enjoyed that movie, but Mm. Sandra, who went with me, did not, because somebody had spoiled the movie for her going in. Oh come on! She said, like, phoned her one of her workmates, and uh, she's what are you doing? She says, "Oh, we're just waiting in line to see Fight Club," and he's going, "Oh, I saw that. It's weird." Um. (laughs) Uh, because, like, I think that, you know, the, the idea was that they're both, both the same guy. Mm. Like, the main character and the other main character, like, they're both the same person. He's just crazy. But I couldn't really work out. And she said, did you just spoil a movie for me? And he went, um, <laughs> no. Uh. Like, literally waiting in line to see it. So she sat there for the whole movie with this expression on her face, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> that would have ruined the movie. But I, Look, I don't let it ruin things for me. I'm still going to have a good time. Yeah, sure. And I, like, I mean, if there's a twist, eh, sure, there's a yeah. twist. I mean, if it's edited well and performed fine, then the twist can still be enthralling. Yeah, okay. Speaking of uh, uh, spoilers, yeah, I saw a couple of movies. What did you see? Um, well, uh, we were talking about Becky, if you remember. Yeah, we were. There was a film called Becky on Netflix. Yes. And um, and I watched it. Is it is no Becky's not. It's a horror, yeah? Uh, thriller. Thriller. So, yeah, um, you remember Becky was a plucky young girl. Mm. And then, um, you know, but her mother's died, so she's angry with her dad, who takes her to the holiday cabin, and his girlfriend and her little boy show up, mm. and uh, they announce that they're getting married, and Becky's even less happy now. And so <laughs> she goes... Becky's having a bad day. So she goes to hide in her treehouse, and then some Nazis show up. What? Nazis show up. They've recently broken out of prison and now what they've come to this. What time period is this? Uh, it's modern day. Oh. So Nazis have broken out of prison and they come to the house because the main Nazi is looking for a key. And his face is on the poster. And I thought it was a guy from Happy. Mm. One of the characters from Happy is in jail and he has a roommate and they've got a relationship. And it's this enormous, boofy, deep-chested guy with a beard and a bald head. Mm. And I thought it was him. It certainly looked like him on the poster. Mm. And then I'm watching the movie and going like, wait a minute. Is that Kevin James? Which one's Kevin James again? Kevin James is the genial fat guy from all the Adam Sandler movies. He's never played oh, a bad guy before. King it, of Queens? Yes. Yeah. It was indeed Kevin James. Right. It wasn't the guy from Happy at all. <laughs> and so, you know, he plays he plays the bearded Nazi. Yeah, he has nice teeth, if anything. Well, there you go. Anyway. Uh, most Nazis do not. No. <laughs> because fluoride man 
It's a mind control drug. Um, <laughs> so anyway, and so Becky's father is shot right in front of her and she goes crazy. And oh, yeah. yeah, the movie is OK. The script doesn't suck, but it's not brilliant. It could have done with another couple of passes. Mm. Um, the direction is nah, nah, it's OK. The performance of the 13 year old girl or I don't know, she's 15. Um, I can't think of her name. Um, is this a uh, Netflix original? I don't know if it's a Netflix original. I think yeah. it was. There was a theatrical release. I've got the numbers on it here on the weekend. Didn't do well? Um, well, I did okay. I've got mm. the number three spot, but I mean, that's not tough these days. No, I suppose not. True History of the Kelly Gang isn't on the list anymore, but it stayed there for a while. Mm. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. And she just, the, the thing that irritated me most about it was that, you know, her performance wasn't as strong as it really needed. It was strong, but not strong enough and the fact that she just kind of becomes she just kind of goes crazy she looks at herself in a wonky mirror which is you know cinematic shorthand for you know the they're not the person they think they are yeah right and uh, she goes crazy uh and she's effectively an orphan by this stage so yeah um, i mean you can understand she why. just starts killing you can understand why she goes crazy yeah but yeah. she just starts murdering adult males pretty much <laughs> straight away where did she learn these and they didn't these skimp skills on the, from they didn't skimp on the gore at all she she goes home alone on them yeah right yeah um, so, <laughs> is there a particular a particular death that uh, sticks out to you? Um, she runs over one guy's head with a forerunner. Oh no! But she like she stops on his neck and then spins the wheel. So when she goes forward, oh, there's dear. just a, there's a splurty stump. Oh dear! Full close up of the splurty stump. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fun times. So probably not one for the squeamish then. Nah. I also saw Tread, uh, which was a great documentary about the guy who went nuts and bulldozed his town. <laughs> I've not heard of this. So uh, this actually happened. <laughs> this is in America, right? Uh, it happened in America. It was yeah. massive headline news for almost a day, and then Ronald Reagan died, and so it dropped off the public consciousness. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, he had a business, and uh, because he was a blow-in, because he was an out-of-towner, mm. the good old boys in town, you know, they built a concrete plant right next to his business, and they sunk a sewer line that he was going to have to connect to oh, in order to come up to code. And it was going, but it was so far away, it was going to cost him sixty thousand dollars to sink of, that line. They don't like out of town, out of towners. Is they, that why? Um, well, that was his, you know, because they interviewed everybody that was involved, including you know what he said was the good old boys club in town, mm. and they were all just like, we really don't understand why. <laughs> He snapped the way he did. Right. Now, they might be telling a truth. One or two of them might be telling a truth. They all might be lying their arses off. But they said, look, you know, he's the crazy one. He, he just snapped. We don't know why. And his grievance was, you know, he felt like that they had not only deliberately made themselves successful, but fixed it so that he would fail also. Yeah. And he was so apoplectically furious about this that he built himself a tank out of a bulldozer. Oh. He was a he was a very talented engineer and welder. Yeah, okay. and he turned a bulldozer into a tank, and just rolled out of his backyard one day and bulldozed all of those people's businesses. Wow! Just kept going and going and going until the engine fried and it got stuck in oh, no. somebody's basement because he was bulldozing one of the, one of these guys' buildings. Yeah, okay. And then the treads got stuck in the basement, oh. and so he couldn't move at that point. And so you know, he got arrested. Obviously, no. They found when they finally cut the thing open. Yeah, because they tried explosives, couldn't get in. Oh wow! <laughs> they tried smoking him out, didn't work. So eventually, they just had to sort of wait until they were satisfied that they hadn't heard any movement from in there for a long time and then they cut the top off and there he was and they even showed a photograph of him looking very unhappy with a wee hole in his temple um 
He had he had a fifty caliber weapon in there that he could fire out. Oh, so he he, he shot killed, himself. He shot himself. Yeah, oh. and you know, and he left tapes. Like you know, he made tapes before he left, ranting yeah. and raving about the whole the way that the whole thing had gone down and how God had given him this this cause and stuff like that. So it would be very easy from you know uh, the antagonist's point of view to say, yeah, he just snapped. We we all thought very well of him. He was he was a nice guy. No, there was never any argument. Mm. No, I don't know what you're talking about there. But you just don't know how your behaviour is affecting other people, do you? No. But um, anyway, that was that, that's an excellent I one. I feel like this entire scenario could have been avoided with just a, a conversation. No, I mean, uh, I've lived in a small town, not a small town in America, but, yeah. you know, that's the kind of thing that no, can't no. happen. Yeah. Um, so that sounds fascinating. That's called Tread. That's called Tread. Um uh, I I rented it, so okay. you know. Um, I don't know if you if you if that's on. And it, Netflix was, it was or, good. It was a good story. Oh yeah, it was terrific. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoyed it. And uh, and Da Five Bloods. Right. What's that? Um, da Five Bloods. It's Spike Lee's new movie. Oh. Uh, it's about uh, four Vietnam veterans who go back to Vietnam to uh, dig up a cache of gold that they left there when they were young oh. in Vietnam and during uh, the war. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's very political and it's all about race. And uh, But the plot of the movie itself, it's a lot like a really, really hackneyed Vietnam B movie from the 80s. And I don't know how deliberate it is. Oh. All right, there are a million movies like that for white people. Yes. Most of them star Sylvester Stallone and or Chuck Norris. <laughs> um, about, you know, Vietnam vets going back and winning the Vietnam War. Sure. Retro, <laughs> retroactively, yeah. retroactively winning the Vietnam War by pulling out one of our own. Uh, except this time it's four black guys, and they're the fifth man, their brother. He died in Vietnam, and so they're going back there to find his body and a cache of gold, a big, uh, a big case of gold. They're going to dig that up, and uh, yeah, like I said, um, the, certainly the flashback sequences mm-hmm. are deliberately made to look like an old Chuck Norris B movie. That's weird. Use, they use the same film stock. They use the same aspect ratio. So the sides of the screen actually come in for the flashback sequences. What a weird creative choice yes. for 2020. And um, uh, so it's it's really effective. The thing is that the story itself um, is, uh, well, I found it really predictable. Mm. You know, they stop in a bar and they meet um, somebody, a, a cute girl who says, oh, I, I dig up landmines right. for a living. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, somebody's going to step on a landmine. And so I was waiting for that moment to happen. And then, you know, there was one point where I thought, oh, right, here we are. That guy's going to step on a landmine. Kaboom. He steps right on a landmine. Yeah. The instant I saw it, it's like I said, yep, there it is. I'm calling it. Kaboom. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's how the story moves. There isn't a beat of the story that you don't see coming a mile away. You know who's going to die. Mm. Um, you know who's going to make it out of there and uh, yeah are the but characters interesting at all? the characters are interesting and a lot of it is really um, uh, really shot in a very interesting way one of the characters is very damaged um, he's left a big part of himself back in Vietnam he's a he's a black Trump voter mm. you know he's the one that he, he's the one that really causes the trouble in the team sure um, and uh, uh, and there are segments um, there's a segment of the film near the end where he's He's walking through the jungle and he's going through his grievances. You know, he's rambling and he's raving, but it's shot directly into his face and the camera's like locked onto his head as he's moving through the jungle. Wow. And, and that was really powerful. And, and it is, you know, uh, it is very powerful. At least 
I can't help thinking that how much more powerful it would be if I un if I was a black person and had a proper understanding of racism mm. and what that is like, mm. because that is what it is about. As it was, I just thought, yeah, that was okay. But then there's a strong chance that the reason I just thought it was okay is because I don't get it. Yeah, you know. But was it deliberately kind of hackneyed and and cliched, or was it accidentally that way? It seems to be fairly divisive. The online reviews for it are like. Um, some people saying this is the best Spike Lee movie ever, and others people saying like, "Yeah, this is a bit silly." What other Spike Lee films um, have there been? What like what what are the main Spike Lee films? Um, Malcolm um, X. Right, he's he did Malcolm X. Didn't get the um, it didn't get the Oscar because it was up against Unforgiven. There was um, Do the Right Thing, mm -hmm. which didn't even get a nomination, and that's been known as that's pretty much gone down as history's greatest Oscar snub. Mm. was that should have gotten Best Picture, but I didn't even get a nod. Mm. That was his first film, Do the Right Thing. Um, and most of his movies are about race. He's uh, Not all of his movies are good. Uh, some of his movies are independent. Um, there was a recent one. He did a remake of Old Boy, which is um, a Korean movie, a South Korean movie by the same director who recently got all the awards for Parasite. Yeah, okay. Um is it the same director? No, I think it's one of his contemporaries. Anyway, Old Boy is, you know, people say that that's one of the best movies. Watch it. It's mind-blowing. It's got a twist at the end. Oh, baby. Um, it's about a guy who... People love a twist. Just a, a guy who's just kind of a, a loser. He's a he's business class, but he's a drunk, and he gets arrested one night, and then the next morning he wakes up in a prison cell, and he's held there. No explanation, no human contact for 15 years. My goodness. And then they just let him out. And after that, it's his job to find out what the hell happened. 15 years, that's crazy. Yeah, so obviously at that stage, he's insane. He's a very different man uh, yeah. when they just let him out all of a sudden, no announcement. And he remade that uh, recently, uh, starring Josh uh, Thanos, the guy who played Thanos. Josh Thanos. Brolin. Brolin. Yeah, so Josh Brolin. And it's terrible. It's oh. basically the same movie, but it's just awful. Okay. But I think, you know, he made that as a paycheck, you know, or a contract thing. Well, we want you to make this movie and then you'll get to make um, Black Klansman, right. which was his Oscar contender from a, a year or two ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, well, The Five Bloods, uh, check it out, see what you think. Mm. Um, I've actually got a lot more movies that I've seen to discuss, but uh, we've been talking for a while, so why don't we talk about those a little more when we have this, tra after this track from Charlie X... Charlie XCX with I Finally Understand. Good for you, Charlie. <laughs> it took you a while. Mm, yeah, catch up, son. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we were talking about movies that I'd seen. Um, I saw Fahrenheit 11.9. Now, how have you seen so many films in the last week, Al? I've just been ordering them. Oh, okay. I thought to hell with it. I'm ordering this and I'm ordering this. I've got, you know, mm. I've got steady work right now, so I've got a little bit of money left over at the end of the month. Now, Fahrenheit 9.11 is and the like Michael... Yeah. Well, mm. it's nice that you're supporting the industry, Al. Mm -hmm. uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 is the Michael Myers... No, Michael, what's, what's his name? Michael Moore. Moore. Mm. Mm. So it's his follow-up to... Michael Myers? Is he the Halloween guy? Fahrenheit 9-11 <laughs> was, uh, was a massive worldwide hit. It, you know, um, everybody heard about it, and, mm. you know, as well as people who didn't go and see it. And Michael, uh, Michael Moore, you may also know about uh, his other film, which was Bowling for Columbine. Um, yes, uh, as well as... Well, since Fahrenheit 9-11... Um, he, uh, he called George Bush out when he got his Oscar and he got booed mm. by the cheap seats and um, and everybody who was sitting down the front just kind of awkwardly smiled but didn't applaud or, you know, 
And uh, yeah, all those brave actors and actresses who are always standing up for causes, except for the ones that might harm my career. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and ever since then, you know, his um, his films haven't gotten a lot of wide play. So there was Sicko, there was uh, Where Do We Invade Next? Mm. And this one is called Fahrenheit 11.9, which is his film about Trump. Um, oh, and- yes. For, sorry, Fahrenheit 11.9. So this is the sequel to Fahrenheit. 9-11. Yeah. yeah, sorry. So 11-9 is the date when, uh, fortunately for Michael, it's a great title. Uh, that's the date when he was um, elected. Yes. So um, a couple of things I didn't actually know. Um, Trump's run at the office was uh, a stunt. His initial announcement uh, where he said, they're bringing in drugs, Mexicans are bringing in drugs. Um, it was because he'd heard that uh, Gwen Stefani uh, had been hired to... Uh, host on The Voice, and she was getting paid far, far more than he was getting paid to be on The Apprentice. And he went to NBC and said, I need more money. And they said, you're not popular enough to get that much money. <laughs> and so he went, oh, no. And so he decided to do this um, run at the presidency uh, in order to demonstrate to NBC just how popular he actually was. Oh, for goodness sake. He's such an egotistical megalomaniac. Yeah, but because he went off on the racist tear, what it did instead was get him fired. Yeah. But so that was that was a... a that wasn't a plus, but um, apparently so his kids we... said to him, look, you've paid for the rallies. You might as well show up to the rallies. And when he showed up to the rallies, all of the MAGA hatters were, hatters were there. Yeah, of course. All these morons with signs saying Trump is Jesus mm. had showed up to these rallies. And he went, I am popular, far more popular than I even thought. I am God. And so he decided to continue. And uh, it's kind of like uh, a while ago, Barry Sonnenfeld did a movie with Robin Williams called Man of the Year. It wasn't very good, so you probably haven't heard it, where a comedian, played by Robin Williams, takes a run at the presidency for a gag and wins. Yeah. Um, it's like that, only was that, was less this, funny. Was that made before this Yeah, happened? well before. That was before the wow. turn of the century, I believe, Man of the Year. How forward thinking that was. Yeah. So, um, uh, but anyway, uh, it didn't depress me. Usually when you watch stuff about Trump, you just kind of go like, oh, God, this wasn't depressing. Uh, if anything, it just made me more angry. Mm. Um, but uh, there so you go. are you saying that we have Gwen Stefani to thank for... <laughs> it's really not her fault. All right. She's tangentially connected. It's, you know, yeah. it's all his fault. But anyway, um, <laughs> so if you're a nerdy, lefty, liberal, wimpy, um, you know, gay cuck like myself, then uh, you'll really enjoy it. And if you're a right-wing MAGA hatter, then it'll, you know... It'll probably just anger you. Yeah, you'll only get angry because it's full of lies, lies. And that's the thing with Michael Moore is that he tells a lot of half-truths. Mm. You know, people on the right tell a lot of half-truths to uh, to make other right-wingers angry. And Michael Moore is the same animal, but just on the left. Well, the thing is, I feel like Michael Moore's... Did I say Myers? Yeah. Michael I, Moore. I know. We, we keep bringing in the killer from Halloween into <laughs> it somehow. <laughs> um, no, um, Michael Moore's films, I feel like, yes, you have to kind of sift through the bias a little bit to get to the facts potentially. Mm. But he, I feel like he makes his films just to preach to the converted. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Yeah. Anyway, so it's not a documentary, it's a polemic. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, a documentary is supposed to take an even-handed view. And a polemic is... A factual view, yeah, as opposed to... A factual, to, but a polemic is just basically, you know... It's 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 facts, but... Fox News is polemic. Yeah. It's T- kind of, it's Tucker facts, Carlson is polemic, Moore's, not journalism. It's Michael Moore's perspective on yeah. something. Okay, so... So, um, anyway. I also saw Force of Nature. For, why do you say that with a question mark? The, well, because it's sort of like a movie. Okay. The new thing, uh, remember Mel Gibson and Emil, Emil Hirsch are in it. 
Right. Mel Gibson, we all know who he is. Emil oh, Hirsch. God, this is the hurricane. Throttle these, throttle the girl in the nightclub, and so he's a white guy uh, in Puerto Rico who won't leave his house um, yeah. because a hurricane is coming. And I was thinking, well, I'll have a look at it. It's terrible. What did you expect? No, I mean, I was expecting like you know something like Becky. It's all right. It's an action movie with Mel Gibson in it. It doesn't go for no. It's worse than that. It's just dreck. I saw the poster for it, and even that was bad. Yeah, so it's budge as hell. And is it? Yeah, there's. I mean, the, even though it's got Mel Gibson in it. Yeah, much. and it's so contrived. Everything in the in the plot, mm. it just hinges on you know one of the characters. He's a he's a black guy who doesn't like cops because of a Black Lives Matter sort of incident. And he's moved into this apartment building. He has an animal of some kind, a vicious animal that they don't show you because they don't have the money for it, <laughs> um, behind a locked door. And he's trained it to attack cops. Right. So you go like, gosh, I wonder how the bad guy is going to die. Yeah. And of course he does. Yeah. And you see, like, it's a panther, I think. You see it for an instant because they don't want to sort of linger on this really shitty CG panther. Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like a CG <laughs> job. But, but for the rest of the movie, like, you know, all the, the rest of the movie, they just kind of, you have people look, staring out of shot going, you know, playing the pronoun game. What is that? Mm. And is that what I think it is? <laughs> so. Wow. Um, the dialogue yeah. is the dialogue really hammy. Oh my god, it's so hammy! I mean, the main character is suicidal. He, had, you know, he has the scene in the in a bathtub that's identical to the one that Mel Gibson himself did in Lethal Weapon in 1986, where he puts the gun at his forehead. Mm. No, I'm going to put it in my mouth. No, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to kill myself. And then he meets a nice doctor, and he just falls in love, and that's it. He's not suicidal at the end. There's no arc. Jeez. Um. You know, the movie just kind of starts, and so they thought, well, maybe we'll put a cold opening. So they just stick a scene from the middle of the movie onto the beginning. Great. Uh, it's a mess. It is a mess. And I, the characters um, are just two-dimensional. Just, oh, it's the worst. How did they handle the hurricane? It's my first screenplay kind of a thing. It's outside. Oh. You know, they have a rain machine, obviously, for the occasional exterior shot, but... For the most part of it, you get a flyover shot of uh, Puerto Rico. Mm. The rest of it is they're in an apartment, they're on a balcony, they're say, inside there, a car. Is there a lot of royalty-free news shots of palm trees swaying in hurricanes? Or mm-hmm. There's a lot there's of that. There's a lot of stock footage in it. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's cheap, it's nasty. The script is my first screenplay. Um, it's awful. Right. Don't just ignore it. Yeah. It's not even worth getting angry about. Mm. Um, and finally, The Black Hole. It's a movie from 1979, which most people don't like, but I still enjoy because I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah, and what is The Black Hole about? Is it a space adventure? Well, uh, here's some sound from it. Uh, you, you might have added that last bit. The, uh, yeah, the pop and the soundtrack as well as Hans Zimmer's soundtrack from Inception. Oh, uh, the it? original soundtrack is by John Barry, but it's every bit as slow and it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. The tone is is very dark, especially for a Disney movie, the subject matter as well. But, you know, it was made in 1979. It looks like it was made in 1969. It's after Star Wars and you're looking at it and going like, how is that possible? Oh, okay. They were trying to match the level of the special effects and failed in places in other places it's really good there are some shots of the um the ship that's perched on the edge of the event horizon of the black hole called the uss uh, cygnus Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful Mm. 
Um, it's it's all scaffoldy. You know, it's not like a 70s spaceship. It's a really, really original look to it. And the way that they've realized it is brilliant. And there are a couple of scenes in it that look fantastic. But then there are other special effects scenes in it which do not. That's a shame. Not at all. Big shame. You look at it and, wow, okay. Because they've got floating robots and there are so many scenes where you can just see them swinging about on wires. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> So uh, there's there's one scene where, you know, the main uh, bad guy robot is just basically a, a red floating Darth Vader. Right. Um, crashes through a wall and they've just basically swung him through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Crash and then cut. Uh... Um, so, yeah, it's it's really chintzy in places. The, the performances are not good. The script is not good. Um, Why do you like it? Uh, I like the soundtrack. It's slow and... Ponderous is it's because bits of it are so boring. They're supposed <laughs> You're to be not exciting, it to me at all. but they are so. But well, it's not. It's like Dune. It's one of those movies that you only like it if you you like it. If you saw like it, it when you were. You like it if you like it. But other people watch it and go like, man, one, this is boring, and two, it's a mess. Yeah. And it's both of those things. Okay. So, <laughs> and I paid to see it. How much did you pay? Four dollars. Oh dear. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, four dollars for the standard definition cut. Wow. Um, but I still like it because I loved it when I was a kid. Because you know I had a very dark sort of sense of humor. I, I remember watching Battlestar Galactica and going, "This is for kids." Yeah. So I watched the black hole and people are getting their you know. There's a scene, um, a very effective scene where Anthony Perkins is killed by the big robot, and mm-hmm. he's got like a, a whizzy blade thing on his arm. Mm. And he comes towards Anthony Perkins with it and he holds up a big book of notes that he's got, his big science book, because he's a science man. And so the the blades go through the book and then they pan up to his face going, ah, and then he falls into a machinery and just dies in a blaze of sparks. And when I was a kid, I was like, that was cool. (laughs) That's how you do violence in a Disney movie. So no blood. Just, you know, yeah. suggestion. suggestion. And so bits of it are really, uh, really effective. All-star cast, Ernest Borgnine, Anthony Perkins, Yvette Mamieux, mm. um, Robert Forster, uh, Roddy McDowell is the voice of the robot, not R2-D2. Did it do well commercially? And Maximilian Schell, mm. who you heard there, um, who died on the beach in Deep Impact, which I know is a movie yeah. that you remember. Yeah, I do. I, do. I love Deep Impact. It did not do well commercially. No. Some people, John Lander said it was the worst movie ever made. Oh, Roger hush. Ebert said it was a Star Wars knockoff. It's nothing like a Star Wars knockoff, but it does have stormtroopers in it, painted red, pretty mm. much. Oh, dear. You know, but but they're guys in suits, but they're pretending to be robots, so they're doing that stiff, mm. like, I am a robot walking, and you're well, going like, don't, don't do that, don't. Had Disney owned <laughs> Star Wars back then, it might have been a Star Wars Well, film. it kicked off a new era of Disney doings. Every movie they'd ever done before that point was G-rated. Right. You know, and uh, in, in the pre-internet days, they announced that they were doing a PG movie and they got hate mail from parents groups I love saying, that. we're going to boycott this because <laughs> Disney don't do that. We have to protect the children. So now Disney do do that, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, okay. uh, check it out if you've got two hours to kill and you really don't have anything else to do and you're interested in filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> Treat it as an exercise in... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Man, we've talked for a long time. We haven't even got to the beginning of the show. No. The news is coming up, if that's what you were hanging out for. But yeah, um, check out Tread. Um, I Far- think I might. It check good. out Tread and, and The Five Bloods. Mm. Also check out The Black Hole and Fahrenheit 11.9 if you're into that. Uh, Force of Nature and Becky, not so much. <laughs> Especially Becky before Force of Nature. Yeah, yeah. You know, even if you have nothing to do, 
don't watch Force of Nature. No. Um, and on that note, let's have some Nada Katana. Ghost Town on Energy Groove Radio. Yes, that was Dua Lipa with Lost in Your Light featuring Miguel on Energy Groove Radio. Welcome back to Movie Groove. It's what's on screen. Uh, Brad and I off air were just, you know, sometimes instead of having a passionate argument with someone, you have a passionate agreement with someone. <laughs> well, we were just passionately agreeing how stupid the film Knowing is. Yes. Which yeah, has we a were. comparable ending to the ending of The Black Hole. Yeah. So, um, Spoilers, everybody goes to... Like, everybody dies. Everybody dies. The The bad guy goes to hell and the good guys go to heaven. Pretty much. That, that's... Stupid, the worst, worst ending. It's I don't know whether it's lazy writing or whether it's just studios just, interfering. Oh I don't know, but we it, couldn't it, think of anything else to do. Well, I was, we were talking about the black hole, and you were saying how how unsatisfying the ending is, and oh, I wow. I was just agreeing, going, you know what? I think the the least satisfying ending that I've seen in my lifetime in cinema is Knowing's ending. Knowing because I was enjoying that film up mm. until that third act where it just ground to a halt. Yes. Yeah. And if you've ever seen either one of those films, you might have seen, um, uh, oh, 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 God, I can't even think of the title of the movie. Invaders from Mars, War. What? World War. uh, War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. God (laughs) almighty. That was, I'm at it. Sorry, I'm having a senior moment. Wow. War of the Worlds, the Spielberg Spielberg version, Mm. you know, the ending, it just kind of goes like, and you're what? like, what? That's it? Okay, That's the, what we were building to. The only okay, they did something right. They gave us a Morgan Freeman monologue at the end. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's it. That's the only good thing at the end. So like, you he, know, he just goes, and they died of a cold. Mm, just listen to that rich molasses. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> like basically, the aliens died of a cold, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> anyway, um, don't watch any of those movies. They, they They should have washed their hands. Actually, I really liked War of the Worlds, but the bit that I objected to was where they, you know, they go back to her parents' place and they're fine. They're all washed and yeah, shaved. Yeah, that's. Yeah. And the lights are on. Mm. What? I know. <laughs> well, apparently that's what happens when you go to Boston. Yeah, yeah, Boston, <laughs> Boston. No, Boston's fine. Everybody's going to Boston. There's no <laughs> yeah. aliens there. No. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Um, every week at some point, uh, certainly not, certainly usually before the first hour is over, <laughs> we do this. Yes, yeah, this is episode 96 of A News Hope. Uh, first off, we have box office news. And the top five, uh, Followed was in the number one spot. Um, yeah, it's a movie about social media. Somebody's following us and we can't seem to unfollow them, um, which will be something that you horrible young people will probably strongly identify with because you're all stupid. Um, in the number two spot, Infamous, um, a movie about someone who's infamous apparently. Right. Uh, in the number three spot, uh, it did get a theatrical release, Becky. Excellent. With uh, Kevin James as a bald, murderous Nazi. I mean, I looked at a photo of him in the movie, and he uh, he looks the part. He's actually quite good in it. His performance is it's half decent. He just doesn't have a hell of a lot to work with. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Anyway, um, stretching his legs creatively there. Uh, mm. Becky got the number three spot uh, with 85 grand. Mm. Um, the Wretched is at number four. Bad horror movie, but people are still going to see it. Mm. Star Dog and Turbo Cat. 
the hell is that? Moving on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to make it my business to not find out. Yeah. Miss Juneteenth, also in its opening weekend. Um, it's online as well. Uh, it made 20 grand in the theatres for people who, I don't know. I mean, why go to the theatres when you can watch it at home? Yeah, exactly. It's safer. And Baby Teeth, also in its opening frame in the number seven spot. Mm. So there you go. Um, that's the top five uh, with two other items on it. Deeply underwhelming. Um, but what are you going to do? But at least some cinemas are open. I know in the UK you're all hankering to get back to the cinema and um, they're all opening in July 10th, apparently. Yes. Yes, they are. I don't know why they would, but they are. Anyway. I, I don't know either. I don't know who is hankering that much to go to the cinema. Not me. It's too expensive. If you're hankering to go to the cinema right now, don't call in. No. Don't at me. <laughs> uh, and in other news, now Charlize Theron uh, is fat shaming. Mm. <laughs> that, that was worth the... Uh... Um, Charlize Theron has been dissing overweight action star Steven Seagal. What? Um, what he, is it because he's fat? Because he's fat. Well, you've seen him recently. He used to be really lithe and beautiful, but now um, because he wears those ridiculous moves, he's more and more starting to resemble ah. a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> he's... <laughs> <laughs> that is such he's, a strange description. He's enormous, but he still makes about five action movies a year. Does he? Straight to video stuff that you might find in the red box. But the action sequences, you know, <laughs> they always find a way to frame out his hairline and, of course, everything below the chin um, so that you don't... Do you think they paint his hairline on like that? Well, the, the, uh, it's not real, obviously. Um, Some of it is real. But the top but bit looks very... Look, the process mm. whereby he gets that hairline is uh, is mysterious mm. and uh, and kept under wraps. And, you know, I, I don't like to speak ill of Steven Seagal because he's mobbed up and I might get shot. Well, you know what? He obviously very much likes that oriental style of outfit. Mm. Um, and it's probably the only style that fits him at the moment. Yeah. I can relate. Sometimes you just don't fit into the clothes you want to wear. So you find a big move. <laughs> yes. So um, anyway, as she says, uh, Charlize Theron says she has no problem with talking smack about um, Steven Seagal because he's, quote, not very nice to women. Right. He's an alleged rapist. Oh. Like multiple personal assistants of his have alleged rape. Really? So. Um, well, yeah. look, if that is the case, then <laughs> there's a picture of him eating a carrot, though. So he's clearly got health in his mind. I think the carrots for the photo op, you know, the cheesecake is behind his back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, but yeah, he's a big lad now. And apparently, yes, yeah, so um, mm. in person, not a very affable bloke. Yeah, well, I mean... He hosted Saturday Night Live one night, and it's the only episode of Saturday Night Live that they have refused to re-air. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Because, so not a very affable bloke, but um, yeah. Well... Said Charlize in the interview with Howard Stern. Um... At night, I'll go online and watch fighters or watch people fight. You always come across that odd Seagal video of him fighting in Japan, but he really isn't. He's just incredibly overweight and pushing people. <laughs> he could barely fight. It's ridiculous. He's shoving people by the face. It's a setup. Mm. So, yeah, and, and if you do actually watch the action sequences in his movies, it's all framed very carefully to keep, um, <laughs> keep it out of... Uh, uh, out of frame. Um, wow. And here's a famous shot of him copying a feel from a 16-year-old Catherine Heigl. Oh, no. Yeah, so she was in his... Um, uh, she was in the last good movie he was in, which was Under Siege 2, right. Die Hard on a Train. 
It's a decent action movie. Yeah. And she plays his daughter. And, uh, yeah, she's since said, yeah, the guy just can't keep his hands to himself. He's yeah, a scumbag. Yuck. <laughs> so freaky guy. And there's like there's a photograph of him just I mean, I'm not, I'm flat not... out copying a feel for the cameras. She's sixteen, you lunatic. I'm not big on fat shaming people, but No. You know, still, <laughs> uh keep your hands to yourself, buddy. Fat pride. Um, so that's that's news, apparently. This is what we've got. Wow. Uh, from the entertainment news. Uh Keanu Reeves is dating a horse. <laughs> um here's a picture of him and his girlfriend. Um, Al, don't what? be so rude. <laughs> you tell me I'm wrong. It, no, okay, so obviously he's not dating a horse, but it does look like he's dating one of his mum's friends. Oh, okay. I think it's just because he now looks a lot younger than he actually ageist. is. Ageist. Ageist. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> just because the woman has grey hair. God forbid. It's perfectly natural. Well, so, no, but look at that smile. She could eat tomatoes through a tennis racket. <laughs> you are <laughs> awful. <laughs> So awful. No, that it really is unfair. She looks like a very nice she lady. She might be British. She just, you know, he's a movie star, so she looks like... <laughs> she might be British. Oh! Um... <laughs> oh, brilliant. He, um, he, they must be very happy. They, I'm sure they're very happy together. That's his girlfriend, Alexandra Grant. Um, I believe she's a photographer, mm. uh, but uh, he appears to be blissfully happy with right. his. Uh, no, she's an artist. Mm. Um, so he's fifty-five and she's forty-seven. Yeah, well, so there you go. He's older. So. She's younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now who are we calling? Oh old? dear! Oh, that's bad. She's a spring chicken, Al. Well, no, no. I mean, her hair's her hair's gone grey early. Obviously, it doesn't matter what colour her hair is. It really doesn't I think matter what colour her hair is. She rock their grey hair. Great. She... Don't feel obli- if you have grey hair. Do not feel obligated to dye it because society says that there's something wrong with grey hair. There isn't. Yes. Grey hair's great. You should embrace it. Yes, vive la difference. And by all accounts, because at the top of this news item, there's a video that they've put a link to. Um, called uh, Keanu Reeves Maybe the Nicest Guy on Earth, which is a montage of him, you know, in his public and private life, just being a really lovely guy. Oh, bless him. He's a super, super nice guy. So he should be. There's like, I don't know if you've ever seen that video footage, he's on a train mm. and uh, people are leaving him alone. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then a, a a pregnant woman walks in and he, and he gives her a seat and everybody goes like, oh, wow. And a disaffected movie star, because most movie stars are like scumbags. Yeah, oh okay. my God, somebody made direct eye contact with me. Well, God forbid someone give a pregnant lady a seat, for goodness sake. Yeah. Don't see any of the so normal people doing it. That's all you have to do to get known as the nicest guy on earth, is yeah. be famous and give a lady a seat on a bus. If you see a pregnant lady standing on a bus, give her your sodding seat. Yeah, you lazy bum. <laughs> Uh, Kate Mason has uh, messaged in, lovely oh. Kate. She says that you are ageist and whitest and racist. I am not. I agree wholeheartedly, Kate. I like a lady with junk in the trunk. Oh, my God. Get both hands on it and just sink Ow, the teeth in. stop Arr. it. Um, <laughs> all you curvy ladies, visit me at my house. Oh, don't. Um, don't go to his house. I'm not. I'm not. Even if you're accompanied him. by an officer, don't go to his house. There's also a story, there's another story about Keanu Reeves being the nicest guy here in the world. Um, <sighs> he, he demands a Winona Ryder. Which is the best pun I could think of. Right. Look, Winona... You're going to have to elaborate on this now. So when he was making Dracula with Coppola, Coppola wanted an honest crying reaction from Winona Ryder. And so he more or less demanded Keanu go on there and give her the business. Call her a whore. Oh. Um, you know, get right in her face and say that she's the worst actress you've ever seen. 
which would be very valid criticism, to offer to Winona Ryder. She's very good in Stranger Things. She really isn't. She's terrible. All she does is she's either crying or yelling. She doesn't do a third thing. Well, I mean, I couldn't cry or yell on camera, so. Yeah, okay. But she's supposed to be a famous actress and she can't act. She's the female Keanu Reeves. She looks good, all right, and she's famous, but when it comes to actually acting, she sucks and so does he. Sorry, I, I, I know it's a difficult job, but you both suck at it. And but... I miss the days when Winona was dabbling in petty crime. Yeah. They yeah. were good. She days. was interesting back then. Um, so, yes, but apparently they put them in a movie together, which has got to be a mistake. And Coppola had said that he should be very, very nasty to her. And he refused. He said, no, I'm not doing that. Well, good. And so that's why they've become lifelong friends. Why do we have to celebrate it when a man does something that a man should be doing anyway? Because it's Hollywood. Like The only other thing we hear from Hollywood is men being absolute scumbags. Okay, yes. The kind of behavior that in any other industry would get you fired that day. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yes, we should all celebrate people doing nice things, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, he's just doing the decent thing that a decent human being should. Why are we finding that so surprising? Um, it's 2020. I don't yeah. know if you've watched the news recently. I try not to. Have you seen the guy that's running the United States, the mm-hmm. guy who holds the title of president? There isn't actually a president of the United States because there is no one executing the duties of that office, but there is someone who claims that title. Yes. And he's not giving it up. And it's a, All right, so it's you look a, at that guy and you say... It's a fuzzy peach that fell in some fake tan. Right, so you look at that guy and that's the bar. The other day, you know, you might have seen... No. He, he recently had a rally where nobody showed up. Yeah. And um, because people have been showing videos of him drinking from a glass of water, he holds it in both hands because I think his hands actually shake. And so uh. this is why he needs to disguise the fact that his hands shake so he holds the glass in both hands. At this rally, he brought up the fact that people keep talking about him drinking water. And he picked up a glass of water with one hand and drank it and then held it up as if he'd done something. And the crowd just went, the crowd just went nuts. So that's the bar in 2020. Yeah. The President of the United States can drink from a glass without spilling it on his tie. Hmm. That's the bar. Well, and his followers and supporters are delighted. Aren't they just? That he's, he's stuck it to those liberals by drinking from a glass of water without spilling it down his front. <laughs> I mean, I've used that as a joke. Mm. That, you know, somebody may be too dumb to navigate a stake into their mouth without causing themselves personal physical injury. It's no longer a joke. Satire is dead because that guy exists. Mm. So, yes. Why is it so special that a celebrity would be nice to somebody? Because it's 2020. That's the world we live in. Well, look. Congratulations, Keanu Reeves. You're showing us the way. If you are ever <laughs> concerned about whether you are a nice person or not, uh, perhaps direct, not. Your, d- direct your moral compass to the behaviour of Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. until And not the behaviour of Alistair Lockhart, because I am God, not no. a nice person. No. No. Not at all. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to think about what we've done here. Good. While so we have should. a track from Foxes. This is Body Talk on Energy Groove Radio. That was the 1975. With If You're Too Shy, brackets, let me know. Mm. Um, I feel like if you're too shy, you probably as, won't. As Steven Seagal said to Catherine Heigl when she was 16. Oh. Um, Why do you always have to bring it to a gross place, Al? Because it's Hollywood. We talk about movies here and Hollywood is thick with psychopaths, narcissists, hedonists and sexual predators. Don't ever go there. Mm. Don't ever work there. If you're a young man or a young lady and you're working in Hollywood, do like um, 
Well, the young star of It mm-hmm. apparently has a permanent nanny that oh. when she's working is with her 24 hours a day. She's basically a bodyguard, <laughs> is what she is, an armed nanny to keep men from Being raping disgusting. her. Yuck. Because that's a thing that would happen if the bodyguard wasn't there. That's the kind of environment you're dealing with. Mm. Mm. Be in movies, they say. You know, or work in animation. Mm. I made an animated movie. Oh, Moving on. on. We know, Al. We know. <laughs> Look, um, people die all the time. Bloody, bloody, bloody dead for reals. Behind the clouds, the sun is shining. There's a big blue sky waiting right behind the clouds. Well, you're dead now, so shut up. Yes, and um, very German this week. Uh, Jürgen Holtz is dead. Well, dead. Mm. Uh, uh, he was born in Berlin. He attended the Humboldt Oberschule mm-hmm. day in Berlin Tegel from 1943. Um, 1943 bis 1945, the Oberschule in Neustadt bei Coburg, it says here. I don't even know what you're saying. Thank, thank you, Google Translate. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Oberschule in Neustadt bei Coburg, uh, again the Humboldt Oberschule in Berlin, then the Schulfarm Insel Scharfenberg in Teigl, and boarding schools in Dolnkrug in Himmelport. My God. He studied acting at the Deutsches Theater Institut uh, in Weimar and the Theater Hochschule Leipzig, graduating in 1955. Oh, good for him. His first engagements were in Erfurt in Brandenburg and der Heivel. In Greifswald, he played the Volksbühne uh, am Rosen- Rosa Luxemburg Platz. Is this pre-translation or post-translation, Al? Um, also at the Deutsches Theatre there. Uh, among his roles was the title role in the Walrud premiere of Moritz Tassau by Peter Hacks, mm. directed by Ben O'Besson. And uh, Shakespeare's Math für Math, um, staged by Adolf Dresen. I'm so sorry, German people who are listening. Look, I am very, very respectful of the German people and their culture. German people, um, don't listen to the haters. We love you. What was that? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, he often worked in radio, film and television. He died of cancer in Berlin. He was 87. God, we got there originally. And we miss him already. Um, <laughs> look, uh, also, uh, Klaus Biederstadt oh, God. was a German actor and a voice actor. He studied in Hamburg. Um, did he, did he immigrate to the US by any chance? Um, look, he's most famous for dubbing, uh, famous actors. Among oh. the actors for whom he has dubbed have been, um, Yves Montand, Peter Falk, Marlon Brando, Vittorio oh. Gaspin, and James Garner. Can you imagine just being like, oh, I'm an actor? And they'll be like, oh, what are you in? And he's like, oh, well, actually, I'm I'm the ADR guy, the German guy for Marlon Brando. For Marlon Brando, yeah. Mm-hmm. But Marlon Brando, you know. <laughs> Do you think that they... Um... I, I can't tell because of the accent. <laughs> I don't speak the language. But do you think that they copy the way that they speak, the actors speak? No. Um, in fact, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger famously offered to dub himself in German movies and they refused because he has an Austrian accent, so it makes him sound like a farmer. 
<laughs> like, uh, Farmer Terminator. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming for you, Banner. You better, oh, you better prepare yourself because I'm coming. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be back. I'll be back. I will. To water the potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. I be. Hi. Um, so, uh, a selected film. Sorry, farmers, if that's, you know. I am a farmer. I was raised on one. Mm. I don't care. Farmers, you all suck. Hi, Dad. Mm. Um, (laughs) uh, So, a a selected filmography here for Klaus Biederstadt. Mm. Um, I and You, Three Men in the Snow, Mm. The Legs of Dolores, Mm -hmm. Do Not Send Your Wife to Italy, from 1960, and from 1961, What Is Father Doing in Italy? (laughs) Is that a sequel? To the same film? Possibly. And also, um, one of his most famous films, The Post Has Gone. (laughs) Are these translated? Uh, Possibly. (laughs) Look, um, he was 92. We miss him already. Really? Uh, Once again, with the greatest of respect to the German people. Um... I also did want to mention Sir Ian Holm. Is he German? No. Well, dead. Uh, Ian Holm, CBE. Uh, CBE stand for? Uh, Commander of the British Empire. Oh. Yes. Uh, he was an English actor. Mm. Um, he got a Tony Award for Best Featured Actor mm. for being Lenny in The Homecoming. And in 98, he won the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Actor for his performance in King Lear. Um, he made his debut in television as Richard III on BBC's Wars of the Roses. Um, in 69, he won his first BAFTA mm-hmm. uh, in a performance of uh, in a performance of the Beaufort's Gun. A flow of awards and numerous uh, uh, for work in film and television. Uh, in 1981, he got an Oscar nod for being um, a coach in Chariots of Fire in 1981, which also got Best Picture. Mm. Uh, in 1990s, a highly, etern- a highly acclaimed turn as the lawyer Mitchell in Atom Egoyan's The Sweet Hereafter. And uh, subsequently cast in a whole raft of high-profile Hollywood films in the next decade. He was in The Fifth Element as Vito Cornelius, Bilbo in Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Ah, uh, yes. Um, Professor Fitz in The Aviator. Uh, he was in... Um, oh, he was, he was Zach Braff character's father, Gideon, in Garden State, but let's not talk about that too long. And his last non-Hobbit film role was a voice part as Skinner in Ratatouille. But of course... Mm, um, I loved Ratatouille. His most famous role, uh, I think, would probably be as the android Ash in Alien. Oh, of course. Yes. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's his most famous, maybe to the people your age, but... Um, <laughs> what? Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. The most famous role would be the Lord of the Rings one, I would say. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. most people would know him as Bilbo from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, but I think, yeah, once you see him younger in Alien, you go, oh, it's that guy. Mm. But also Fifth Element, great film. Yeah, so an amazing actor, easily one of my favourite character actors. This one hurt, yeah. I have to admit. It was a shame to hear that he died. I knew that he was suffering from Parkinson's, so mm. I knew that it was only a matter of time before we heard. But uh, in any case... Mm. Um, he had five children, three daughters, two sons, um, four wives. Uh, in 1989, not was, all at once. He got his CBA in '89, and he was knighted for his services to drama. So, Sir Ian Holm Cuthbert. I like that people can get knighted for services to drama. I think that's nice. Yeah, like Sir Elton John. Mm. Who would have thunk? Mm. Anyway, he's quoted as saying, "I've always been a minimalist." It was Bogart who once said, uh, "If you think the right thoughts, the camera will pick it up." 
the most important thing in the face is the eyes. And if you can make the eyes talk, you're halfway there. And he's absolutely right. One of my famous moments, one of my favorite moments in all of cinema history is this one from Alien, where the android Ash has had his head removed, <laughs> but is still able to explain his orders before they unplug him permanently. Mm. You admire it. I admire its purity. A survivor. And all clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. Look, I'm, I've heard enough of this, and I'm asking you to pull the plug. Last word. I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I really love the shit-eating grin he gives them there. Yeah. Before he says, you have my sympathies. <laughs> yeah, you're all going to die. Sorry. Yeah. One of my favorite, my favorite moments in all of cinema history, that. Really? Uh, so Sir Ian Holm has left us. He was, he died in hospital mm-hmm. uh, in London um, on 19th of June. He was 88. And we miss him already. That's the final bow. It's curtains once again on Dead for Reels. We will see you on the other side. Here's Khalid. Can't count up the times you blow my mind. My bad on Energy Groove Radio. That was Khalid with My Bad on Energy Groove Radio. Gee, you can't half tell that Al had just had a mouthful of chips, can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. Anyway. Uh, we're going to get right along with the show. Okay. Because we don't, we, we just bibbled on forever and now we're closing out the, we haven't even done the opening scene. Oh, dear So me. we're going to do the opening scene. All right. <sighs> Irresistible. God, my hands are dry. Um, <laughs> God, this show makes no sense. <laughs> That was a non sequitur. Irresistible. It's an upcoming American political comedy written and directed by Jon Stewart. You remember Jon Stewart? The yes. Daily Show? Yeah, Daily Show guy, mm. yeah. It stars Steve Carell, mm. Chris Cooper, Mackenzie Davis, Topher Grace. All of his friends then. Rose Byrne. We were talking about her before. She's very funny. She is. She's very funny. She's mm. underrated in the comedy scene, I think. But she was in uh, Bad Neighbors. Well, it was Bad Neighbors in here in the States. It was just Neighbors. Mm. <laughs> but it was. She's brilliant in that. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, not a brilliant movie, but she's good. She's she's great in Bridesmaids as well. She's an amazing actor because she convinces you that she'd actually be married to somebody who looks like Seth Rogen. <laughs> anyway, um, this film follows a Democratic strategist mm. who tries to help a local candidate win an election in a small right-wing American town, mm-hmm. and we have a clip. Democrats are getting their asses kicked. We need some way to road test a more rural-friendly message. If you can't live your principles in the bad times, I guess they aren't principles, they're just hobbies. Nice. John Wayne and a tractor have a baby and all you can say is nice? Oh my God, it's so nice. Colonel Jack Hastings is our key back into the great now swing state of Wisconsin. He just doesn't know it yet. Can I be completely honest with you? No bull. Be nice. My daughter's here. That was your daughter with her arm up the cow. Hmm. 
Yeah. I suppose we needed a visual for that. Yes, we did. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so that's that's basically what we've got there. Um, that's the biggest movie, I think. It's opening and the rest of it is just stuff that you wouldn't expect to hear of. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, Steve Carell's good in, uh, uh, I watched all of, uh, Space Force. Yeah. I thought it was good. Okay. Mm. I'm, just want- not a, I'm not a massive Steve Carell fan. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why. I, it just doesn't, I mean, yeah. Oh, there you Whatever go. he's in never really floats my boat that much. Strong opinions. Look, Very controversial. We should expect to hear feedback from that one. Mm, There'll be a tweet storm. Mm. Um, also, we have the, uh, the Transcendence. Um, a very indie film that appears. Roger, who's a drifter, is in search of the ultimate indie rock band, The Transcendence. Um, but what he finds is less than transcendent, a band who has all but abandoned society and a host of unpleasant memories. Wow. Uh, more questions and answers in search of his own existential fulfillment. The Transcendence is a dark comedic fairy tale that straddles a line between the absurd and the all-too-real. Um, I don't know what to make of this one, but we do have a clip. Democrats that is the wrong clip. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds very familiar. I took a vacation. <laughs> somewhere healthy. Somewhere I could get clean. Girls give you the cash? Can't fake it anymore. The act was like watching an infomercial in Mescaline. When I find them... I'm going to kill them. I snapped. Somebody got too close to the edge. There's a slight shift in tone there. Did you notice it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is called Transcendence, right? Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, don't get it confused with the one that has Johnny Depp in it from 2014. No, that's Transcendence with a C. Oh. This is the Transcendence. Ah, oh, the Transcendence. No, Transcendence is, you know, well, that's a noun, but the Transcendence is also a noun, but it's a... I'm sorry, uh, my English grammar is not... <sighs> I, don't, I don't English speak good. No, evidently. So... Mm. Uh, so that's um, probably a really unpleasant, depressing <laughs> mumblecore thing um, that you, uh, in all likelihood, will never watch, mm. never think of again. Um, um, Kate Mason's just buzzed in um, with some very affirming messaging saying that uh, Steve Carell is not great. <laughs> well, there you go. That's, I agree, Kate. That's a point I upon agree. which the two of you agree. Mm. Well, why don't you, well, if you love Kate so much, why don't you marry her? Huh? 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 <laughs> Well, I don't think she'd accept. No, she's no. my girlfriend. Oh. I'm my biggest fan. Mm. She calls in every week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> calls in. Well, somebody's got to listen he to the show. dials in. Um, <laughs> Someone's got to check that we're on. And we, <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, All I Can Say. Your button pressing is right just, on I, fire today. I just isn't it? hit something at random, and that's what I got. <laughs> um, an archive of '90s culture and a philosophical study of fame via the intimate video diary of Shannon Hoon. Who's that? The late lead singer of alt rock band Blind Melon. Right. Remember Blind Melon? No. All I can say is that my life is pretty plain. Mm. Remember that one? Maybe. So uh, yeah, it was a it was a big hit, and uh, apparently it? he filmed everything. 
right up until he died. Okay, well, but this, this is before digital media, so he must have a lot of VHS oh, yeah. tapes. Yeah, he would have a lot. Of, it was back in the day when there would be a timestamp in the corner of the footage, yeah. whether you wanted it there or not. Yeah. So apparently he filmed absolutely everything. Uh, he killed himself. Gosh. Um, I think about a year out from having that, which was a massive number one hit all over the world. Wow. And uh, they've made a documentary out of that footage. Here, okay. Here's a clip. Hi, I'm the cameraman. I'm the one that's not getting videoed that much because I'm making sure that everybody else has priceless video footage for the future. Signing it all the way. Things are getting really kind of crazy. Mr. Jagger and Mr. Watts would like to meet the band if we're not busy. You know, they just so happened to catch us at a time when we, when we really weren't that busy. If there's not at least 500,000 people here by Sunday, we're going to be surprised. You know when you have, like, one of those moments when everything is perfect to the point where you're so overwhelmed that you fucking you're, you just you get all emotional and your eyes tear up and shit? Yeah, I mean, it sounds 90s, doesn't it? It mm -hmm. sounds of its time. Yeah, so uh, one of those things where he just basically shot to fame really, really quickly and found out that it ain't all that it's cracked up to be. Sure. Um, couldn't handle it for some reason. The sound, the song is, it's a lovely little tune, but when you listen to the lyrics, yeah, there's, there's some someone with there. not a lot of happy in their life. Mm. So, uh, yeah, a very sad story. Uh, he's gone, but we still have that archive of material. So all check of, that movie out. All of you interested. hipster kids who, you know... If you want to know for whatever nostalgia for whatever reason they're nostalgic for the nineties now. Yes. If you want to know what my life was like when I was your age, then mm. uh, watch that film and go like, "Wow, mm. sucks to be you." Yeah, Tom and Aaron from Deep Scan have some sort of uh, fascination <laughs> with the nineties, mm. uh, who are coming up tonight at eight pm. If you want to hear them, um, yeah. but Tom bought a handheld camera. Yeah. Um, which was obviously from the nineties from a, a thrift shop, and he brought it in one night. And it had tapes in it. And mm. I was just flicking through, looking at the tapes. And it was a video of someone's holiday that they'd taken um, to Fiji mm. in the 90s. It was fascinating to just like <laughs> see these memories that were captured and then somehow ended up at a thrift shop. And it was, saw, all, it was all very like personal and weird, but it was just a little window into a, a, a time. Yeah. Well, a I, time. I often kind of cringe when I look at photos of myself back there because i got like, you know, long hair and yeah. a shitty flannelette shirt open over a t-shirt and awful looking blue jeans and how it oh yeah oh you haven't changed out oh dear <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm still dressing exactly the way i dressed 25 years ago yeah it's really sad yeah. anyway um so <laughs> that's a, that's a thing that's happened mm. and um and uh now we're gonna so yeah that's uh, all that we've got the show's nearly over. <laughs> so we're going to have a track. From, they're going to have this track from Sia and come back and All see right. you in a minute. Ah. Hey, on Andrew Groove Radio. Now that was Sia with Together mm -hmm. on Energy Groove Radio. Gosh, time is flying tonight. It really is. Well, um, not for people listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is for us. Yeah. I actually prepared a show, so I'm just trying to rush through the rest of the stuff that I brought in. Mm. Um, there's no movie news, really, except for uh, the fact that um, Michael Keaton is in talks to play Batman again. Hey, eh? They're doing Flashpoint. We talked about this. 
did we? There was a clip where the TV Flash, Grant Gustin, meets Ezra Miller, the movie Flash from Justice League. Right. It's just a very brief scene where Ezra Miller goes like, oh, I knew this was going to happen at some stage. Multiple universes. Um, And he said, but this means, and then then Grant Gustin says, but this means, and he goes, it means what? It means what? And then he disappears. Okay. So, um, yeah, they're doing a Flashpoint movie, Mm -hmm. and uh, there's going to be a number of different Batmans in it. Mm. Uh, possibly even a CGI uh, Adam West. Mm, what about Clooney? Uh, Clooney, yes, possibly Clooney. Um, probably not Val Kilmer because he looks weird. I suppose, you know, stick a back mask on him. <laughs> um, I thought Val Kilmer died. Even the guy who does the voice, I can't think of the guy's name, but the guy who does the voice of Batman on the cartoon. Um, a wide range of animated material mm. um, is going to be appearing. But yeah, my, they're... You know, Michael Keaton's going to get a paycheck for showing up for a minute as uh, an older Batman. Because there's a Batman Beyond where the old Batman is a mentor to the new young Batman. Mm. I don't know. I don't watch any of that stuff. No, neither do I. That's all the geek news we've got. Other than that, we've got... uh, um, We're going to have a rummage through the trailer trash. Thanks alive. Looks like we've got us a convoy. We're not listening to all that. Oh, thank God. Uh, um, but there you go. Uh, so first of all, we have, um, Ava. Again, I just pressed a button at random. Yeah, we can tell. Um, so, uh, Jessica Chastain is Ava, a deadly assassin who works for a black ops organization traveling the globe, specializing in high profile hits. But when a job goes dangerously wrong, she is forced to fight for her own survival. It's Jane Wick. Basically, it's there's nothing original here, but apparently, in the visual version of the trailer, you get to see her kick the shit out of Colin Farrell. Okay, well, we've all wanted to do that from time to time. Oh so. yes, indeed. I'm sure there's a great many women on the face of the planet who would love to kick the shit out of Colin Farrell. There's a trail of broken-hearted ladies behind that man. All right, everybody, take a number. <laughs> in any case, um, yeah, we've got the clip. Code eight two two seven. Confirmed. Subject's close. I know you like Ava. But she's a liability. No, not her. She's best to breathe. I recruited her. I trained her. She's talking to the targets! Ava. I'm good. I promise you. Keep your head down, kiddo. Management will be watching on this one. Ooh, Malkovich. I wouldn't have sent me if you had. That would annoy me if I was an assassin, having John Malkovich call me kiddo. Mm, yeah, I'd be like, buddy, I'm a lethal assassin. Yeah. Don't patronise me. Don't call me. me kiddo. Yeah. Or I'll, or I'll shoot you. Yeah. Um, is, is it just me or does anyone else look at Jessica Chastain and go, oh, right, yeah, the good Bryce Dallas Howard? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Um, uh, they uh, have the same haircut. I've got a thing about redheads of pale skin. Right, well, there you go. Mm, so I look at just Jessica Chastain, and uh, and I have thoughts that I cannot reveal on air. Do you look in the mirror and think that as well? No, oh, I'm not really. I'm, I'm only a half-ranger. <laughs> I don't have the red hair. A rusty ranger. Got, you know, I mean, um, you know, I've kind of got brownish hair. Mm, um, kind of. Fi- oh, bright red pubes. Don't. Bright red. No. See the bits of my beard that are still colouring them? Don't like that. Know. Don't want to know. Same kind of texture I'm sorry as I well. It up. Just sorry run your fingers through Don't the side of my face there. Get at, uh, social distance. <laughs> uh, also, um, 
I uh, I did say I may have courted some controversy near the top of the uh, the show there, and uh, and mm. Kate texted in to say that I was uh, sizest. Weightest. 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 Sizest or weightest. Uh, apparently I'm racist because um, I assumed that uh, Keanu Reeves' girlfriend is British. Yes. But I'm not going to apologise to the Germans because you can't be racist towards German people. That's just a fact. And I'm not going to apologise to the British because they know what they did. Yeah. Yeah. Ask the Indians. Mm. India Indians, not ah. the other ones. But then, you know, just as bad. So um, let's not talk about race, shall we? Let's not. We really have no right. No. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this one, this movie is called Unhinged. A case of road rage turns into full-blown terror. Oh, is this not just... When, a, when an unstable driver follows a woman or a son, it's a psychological thriller that takes something we've all experienced. Russell Crowe. To an unpredictable and terrifying conclusion. Is this just <laughs> not someone putting a camera on Russell Crowe on set? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wide angle lens. Yeah. Hey! hey, hey. <laughs> Sorry, but he is getting hella fat. Whitest. <laughs> but uh, you remember that you, you might know that in his younger days he had a fledgling musical career in which yes. he was known as Lus- Russ LaRock. And his <laughs> most famous single... <laughs> was called I Want to Be Like Marlon Brando. Oh. Achievement unlocked, son. <laughs> he is, he's very, he's like, when he was younger, he was a good looking lad. Yeah. yeah. As was Brando. But, so uh, was Mel Gibson, but you know what that happened there. Well, Mel Gibson went crazy. I don't know if Russell Crowe went crazy. Oh, look, he's he just... Was, he was always just kind of weird. He's but, obviously got a short fuse. Mm, but um, he's, he's, there's been a few incidents that have, you know, I mean, uh, people will act aggressively when they're provoked, obviously. But yeah. um, his yeah. weight trajectory is the same as Marlon Brando. He's, well, it happens when you get older. He's thickening out, but there's ways of stopping it. Of course, but you know, if you're comfortable. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm sure he is. Either way, I thought he was great in Nice Guys. That's my favourite <laughs> Russell Crowe movie. I think. Yeah, no, he looks comfortable. <laughs> he's very plush. He looked cuddly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's very plush and just you know, <laughs> run the fingers through the beard. Anyway, he plays the bad guy. This is, uh, yeah, road rage thing. Daddy Crow. <laughs> Accept my apology. Just ignore him. Well, if you could just do the same, we could press reset. I don't have anything to apologize for. Can you go, please? Ma'am, are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. Yeah, just in case you missed it. Just chill, man. Go your own way. I don't think you really know what a bad day is. But you gonna find out. He's not really playing against type, is he? No. 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 But uh, yeah, so sturdy suspension on that truck. That, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Come on, I heard of the, the studio. Uh, studio audience. I mean, they came in a little bit late there, but they got it. Dear me. The uh, music didn't sell me on that. The music was a bit odd Yeah. in that trailer. It, was a, it didn't really make it scary. <laughs> a rearrangement of a nice old uh, What's Nirvana. Song? Yeah, was it a Nirvana piece? There? Yeah. piece? Yeah. Heart-shaped box. Nah, that didn't sell it for me. No. Anyway, um, it looks interesting, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know so, how to feel about it. I just feel a bit weird about it. I don't know why. 
Yeah. Well, uh, that'll be, it's just, you know, fairly standard kind of a thriller where somebody's being stalked by a, a weird psycho. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also have Waiting for the Barbarians. Yeah, uh, Johnny Depp's in this one. He's the bad guy. Um, I suppose he's decided, well, if I'm going to be the bad guy. Why is everyone being typecast? I don't know. But uh, yeah, well, like I said, Johnny Depp's decided, well, if everybody hates me now, then I might as well still get work. Mm. So um, he's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. A real, real racist bad guy in this one. It's called really? Waiting for the Barbarians, where um, our pats is a magistrate working in an isolated British army outpost, and he begins to question his loyalty to the empire. Well, it's either Arpats or, um, oh, no, I've forgotten his name. The guy from Ready Player One, the old guy, who got an Oscar for being in Bridge of Spies. British actor. Oh. You need to be careful, John. Careful. I don't know who you're talking about. Well, he's in this with Johnny Depp. Here's a clip. There is an episode of Hysteria about the barbarians. I have orders to obey. I'm speaking of particular situations, situations where I am probing for the truth. Since all is not well here, I expect further measures will be taken. Controllers are conducting operations to correct the situation that you've allowed to develop. What did they do to you? Are you talking about Mark Rylance? Uh, that's the man I'm talking about. Thank you very much. Mm. So, um, yeah, uh, Mark Rylance is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, um, uh, one of those things, that, you know, waiting for the barbarians. I'm assuming that the message is, you know, who's the real barbarian here? Because you're talking about a different culture. and You, you were know, talking about colonial people. And colonial, you know, that whole sort of colonial British exceptionalism where they go, you know, we're bringing civilization to these people. Yeah, are we, though? Mm. So, um, exactly. yeah, that'll be the message of that one. Um, okay. So uh, that's a thing that's happening um, on your screens very soon. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's as good as it gets. Oh, that's it. No, I'm afraid, yeah, that's the trailer <laughs> trash. <laughs> ah, that well, is the trailer go. trash. That was one, two, three movies. We usually do that in a trailer trash. And then we do the outro. So we crashed the game doing 98. I says, let them truckers roll 10-4. Oh, and yes. then uh, really quickly, the sound of movies. Mm. Um, and, uh, because, uh, we're talking about Nirvana there. Mm. Um. Do we have Nirvana? Uh, we have some Nirvana tracks. We don't have heart-shaped box, I'm afraid. Oh, well. So, uh, what do you want? Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam? Oh, actually, I hate that song. <laughs> there, we'll go with that one. So, um. <laughs> okay, all right. Because I did so much preparation for this show. Well, just be aware that it could be a horrible remix because we've pulled this from the catalogue of yesteryear. Oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. So this is either Nirvana. What would they really remix? What am I saying? Of course they would. (laughs) Uh, So so because we don't have Heart Shape Box, we're going with all apologies by Nirvana. That's what we're playing you out with. But um, uh, if you want to join us next week between five and seven, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your thing, um, then uh, yeah, we'll have more ill informed movie babble Mm -hmm. for about two hours. Very little music. Um, or if you want to hear actual radio, you could tune in between three and five and hear Arvo's with Bradley Dewance. He's beautiful. He's sitting across the road with Formery from me, desk. Also, Feminist Fridays. 
live from Paris on Friday afternoons. And Deep Scan coming up at 8 o'clock this evening. Yes, if you like a movie that's deep and has been scanned, then join <laughs> Thomas Vanderzeel for that. And now we're going to play you out. Yeah. Until next time we meet, enjoy Nirvana with all apologies and enjoy your lives. Bye. Bye.